0: God we give you thanks and praise for these lives that you have transformed and rescued and redeemed now use broken flesh that I am and bring through your word a message that will be transformative and redeeming for all of us in Jesus name we pray amen come on let's celebrate one more time that's awesome All right, if you're with us for the very first time, my name is Herman Hamilton, the senior pastor here, and I want to welcome you here. And I just want to say a couple of things before we jump into this teaching. First of all, from this point forward, what's happening in our worship gathering is not what happens on a weekly basis. Uh, We are in the process of relocating to a new facility In Ridwood City on the weekend of August the 6th. And we celebrate that, celebrate that. Hey, hey. And because I believe that it's not simply us changing facilities, it's really about God expanding our reach so that we can see God do more and more of what we've just celebrated here. I want to take a little time here today to uh, just do a little teaching about what I feel we need to do corporately to step towards our vision, and what we need to do individually uh, the stretch in our faith. So, next weekend, we'll finish the series that we've been on for the last four weeks entitled, uh, Don't Panic, and we look at how our faith helps us to address anxiety. So, be sure to get here next weekend. I know it's the 4th of July weekend, but you want to be sure to make a way here because uh, we're going to talk about what I, what Paul calls the, thrill, the secret uh, to uh, engaging anxiety, and that is to cultivate a contented soul. Everybody shout, contented soul. So I'm going to talk about how we do that uh, next week uh, when, we, when we get started. All right, uh, let's read our passage together. Let's put it up. Everybody stand. If we're going to read it together. It's going to be on the screen. Philippians chapter 1, verse 29. Here it goes. Let's read it together. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. Shout amen. Amen. Please be seated. Uh, On Tuesday, um, I traveled with the team to Guatemala, a couple of our elders and uh, pastor of small groups and Uh, the lead for our director of transforming community. Throw that picture up there. We had traveled. There we are right there. We're all excited (laughs) and celebrated going to Guatemala. And uh, we traveled there to lay the groundwork for a three-year commitment where we're working with an educational center called My Special Treasure. It has 131 children who are part of that education center and it stretches from kindergarten to the 8th grade. They're doing extraordinary work and it's also partnering with a local orphanage that is, uh, that a number of those kids uh, live in and participate in. And what we want to do is, is help them to develop, uh, create a developmental plan to take the extraordinary work that they're doing and to scale it and sustain it. And a number of us have already played a huge part because We've uh, sponsored over 100 of those kids uh, here NBCC BCC uh, Let's celebrate that. Over $138 a month. That's going to support the budget uh, that's making the program uh, happen. And uh, while we're there, we want to try to help them to be even more transformational in what they're doing. But we're also learning from them in ways that's actually transforming us. And part of what I want to talk about today uh, is essentially... Uh, uh, how their approach to faith is just transformational. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to teach for about 25 minutes. Uh, this is what's different about what we normally do. I'm going to teach for about 25 minutes, and then we're going to take the rest of the time, and we're going to do some praying together uh, as we prepare to allow God to stretch us and get us ready for the next season. Shout amen. 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 Very good. All right, so if you've been keeping up with the series, you know this that the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Philippians, which was a letter to the Christians in Philippi. And in four chapters, 16 different ways, he talks about joy. So one of the themes that works its way through the book of Philippians, obviously, is joy, shall joy. Joy. But what is less noted is that in every chapter of those four chapters, he also talks about suffering. Shout suffering. So one of the themes that works its way through the book of Philippians is suffering. And at the end of the day, he talks about a relationship with Jesus that is anchored in joy, but accommodates suffering. Now, this is a kind of weird thing for us in our culture, because contemporary culture, when we think about suffering, uh, we're thinking about it in at least three different ways. Number one, uh, we're thinking about the pain that is imposed upon us, about shall suffering. Number two, we're thinking about it through the lens of victimization. So we're thinking about uh, ill treatment. We're thinking about abuse that we might have experienced. We're thinking about uh, oppression, or racism, or sexism, or whatever the case might be. Uh, it's the lens of victimization. It happened to me. And the third thing, then, when we think about suffering is uh, none of us would ever actually think about, generally speaking, choosing to suffer. At least in our contemporary culture, the basic thought is if you're reasonably healthy, you don't choose to suffer. And tell the person next to you, uh, he's talking about me. Tell him. (laughs) All right. I almost slipped on that step there and I was about to suffer right down there. But God bless me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, one of the things fascinating about this trip to Guatemala and fascinating about what Paul suggests is that as a believer, we think about suffering in at least two different ways. First of all, there's the suffering that everybody endures, engages, participates in, just because we live in a broken world, it expresses itself in a variety of ways, but we can't escape it, whether you believe or no. For example in Guatemala those 131 kids that we had a chance to engage with and connect to are growing up in the following conditions half of the population in Guatemala earn about a dollar and 25 cents a day which is less than that means that their family is living on less than $40 a month can somebody say suffering second thing that's unique about uh, what these the circumstances these young people are growing up in is that the average child below the age of five is growing up malnourished. So you can imagine if their family is living on less than forty dollars a day. The third thing is, the 375,000 kids across Guatemala, and a, and a, re, a substantive percentage of the kids in the school are living in orphanages been abandoned, isolated, alone. And then lastly, because of the external poverty that they've got to deal with and the internal sense of hopelessness, they're growing up in homes that are inundated with alcoholism and domestic violence uh, and inundated with all forms of abuse, including physical and sexual abuse, which a number of these young people are participating in. Can you say suffering? suffering? Suffering. Now, this is not unlike... Our lives, right? Because the average person sitting here, and every, I've done this, this is my third time today, and I I run into people afterwards that resonate with this. Every one of us have our own sense of suffering that's been imposed on us. There are people sitting here that's thinking about the physical and sexual abuse that you experienced growing up. There are others sitting here thinking about how you invested 15 years in a marriage, and it collapsed in an affair, uh, and it's done. And you, you, you know about suffering. There are others here thinking about the injustice that you've experienced on your job or a disease that showed up in your body unannounced after being healthy most of your lives. We understand this notion of suffering being imposed upon us. As a matter of fact, that's one of the reason why a lot of folk find it hard to believe in God because they try to figure out if there is a loving power, powerful God. How, where is God at in this suffering? So Paul would argue, and what we learned in Guatemala, is that there's a suffering that we don't get to choose. It chooses us. The second thing that Paul argues, it's a fascinating verse here that, that he, 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 he kind of slips into the text. He says, listen, not only are we given the privilege, everybody shout privilege. Not only are we given the honor, everybody shout honor. Not only are we given the privilege, the honor, to trust in Jesus, but we're also given the privilege and honor to suffer with him. This is in chapter 1. Now, the average person who's reading this text says, look, this just does not make sense to me at all. Help me explain this to me. Uh, say to the person next to you, are you interested in learning what he's talking about? Tell, Ask him. I love how y'all ask questions, man. Y'all curious. (laughs) All right. Here's the explanation for it. Paul is saying is this. Chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. Paul makes this point about Jesus. Still talking about suffering. Here's what he says. He said, you ought to have the same attitude that is in Christ Jesus. He says that though Christ Jesus was God, he did not see equality with God as something to cling to, at the words, at all costs. But rather, instead, he gave up his divine privileges he humbled himself uh, in the position of a slave. Uh, he allowed himself to be born as a human being. When he showed up in human form, he was humble enough in obedience to die the death of a criminal on the cross. Now, here's what Paul is saying. Jesus believed so much in you. He was so deeply committed to our redemption until he was willing to pay the high cost of suffering to save us. And what Paul is saying is that if you associate with that Jesus, it will cost you. Now, wait a minute. Let me just say, you can't just say, I just want to believe, but I don't want to do any of this tough stuff. Paul says, you kind of, you're, not, you're not inside like you ought to be. The mature follower says... I want to believe, and I understand that lining up with Jesus means that I'm going to have to suffer. So when I choose Jesus, I choose suffering. Now, let me explain it to you this way. My wife has told me that for the last three weeks, I always have something to say about the warriors. However, (laughs) that's true. So anyway... <laughs> so we flew into Guatemala, right? I mean, so we got ready. I had to. We had to land in Houston first. I wore this hat, and so when we when we walked, uh, got ready to walk into the customs, the brother was at the line, and when I walked through, he said, "Excuse me, sir. We have a trash can for hats like those that you're wearing." <laughs> So it back and forth. But that was the end of it. So I get ready to eat. Here I am in the middle of the airport. I'm going to sit down and eat. Nice place, getting ready to eat. And a lady comes up and says to me, I'm sorry, we don't serve people who wear hats like that. (laughs) I mean, my basic response is, oh, I'm sorry. I thought this was the winner's table. (laughs) (laughs) All right, all right, all right. So get this. (laughs) So we get to Guatemala. It's late at night. I'm walking with the team. I got my hat on. And then I have a thought. It's an epiphany. I say to the team, I say, hey, guys, do you think I can convince people here that I'm one of the warriors? Yeah. <laughs> 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 they did just what you did. They cracked up. And then they started to say, well, well, I don't know. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Which one do you look like? And they said, no, not Steph Curry. Can't do that one. Uh maybe they're confusing with KD. I don't know, you know. All right, here's the point. This is painfully true. Doesn't matter how many hats I have. Doesn't matter how many shirts I have to talk about the Warriors. The best I'm going to be is a fan. I'm never going to be on the team. So let me just, when we talk about The mission and the vision of NBCC, reaching those who feel far from God as we demonstrated, making disciples, building families, transforming communities. Let me just be very, very clear with you. I don't believe that God has given birth to NBCC to raise up a whole lot of fans of Jesus. It's not interested in folk who wear hats and wear shirts and can quote scripture, but at the end of the day, not interested in getting in the game. We are called as a congregation not to raise up fans, but to get people on the team. Huh? And what Paul says, listen, if you're KD or uh, 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 that young man that they just brought on bail and, 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 and if folks start talking about you because you're a warrior, don't you understand that those guys on the team counted an honor? a privilege to be talked about because they are warriors. Yeah. So how much more, Paul says, should you and I find it an honor, a privilege, come on now, to, 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 to engage in suffering because we're on the Jesus team. Yeah. Everybody shout yeah. suffering. suffering. So when I say suffering, what I mean is, is the task of of, of putting yourself out. That's the minimum level of suffering. That I'm going to put myself out for Jesus. Now, let me, let me, um, me kind of bracket this a little bit. We will choose suffering under certain circumstances. For example, folk who are going to work on your master's degree, PhD degree, You'll choose some suffering. I remember my wife, when she was working on a medical degree, she, was, she couldn't come down. And we, we were playing, we'd be playing spades on Sunday evening and be, be hitting the cards and all that. And she's very competitive. But she couldn't come down. She had to stay in the room. Kids having parties, birthday parties for our kids. She had to just drop in and leave. And she would tell. If she was here, she'd tell the story. She was up here, she'd tell the story. That, you know, she cried many times because she wanted to participate. But, but she had to get that work done. Well, that's, that's, a, that's a form of suffering. She chose it. Uh, a lot of you have chosen suffering when it comes to building your career, right? And if you look back, you say, wow, yeah, man, I missed out on my kid's graduation. I missed out on some important things in my family. I may, you might even lost the family, but at the end of the day, you know, you, know you, you, you paid that price for your career. Now, here's the difference between what I'm talking about, what Paul is talking about, and what I, the examples I've just given you. Usually when we choose those examples of suffering... They are self-serving. Rarely, culturally, do we choose to suffer in order to bless others. That's why the changing trend, one of the changing trends in marriage, why people are getting married less and living together, one of the reasons is folks say, I don't choose for suffering. They listen to the vows, for better, for worse, in sickness and health. For rich or for poor, and they hear that worse sickness, poor. They say, "Oh no, 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 no!" <laughs> <laughs> they saw that in their parents. They try, no, 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 no. So, so they 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 have the they're seduced into believing they're seduced into believing that they can get love without suffering. Paul teaches us that to commit to Jesus means to put yourself out. Let me talk to you about how the people in Guatemala put themselves out in service of Jesus. Throw that picture up there. First picture. Let me show you who they are. Here's the first picture. 131 kids. This is what they look like. Extraordinary in school. Next picture. This picture here is about 20 young ladies who are in an orphanage. One of those young ladies at the age of 10 years old was raped by her stepfather. That person ended up being arrested. But that type of story is what gave birth to this orphanage. Now, About 2009, one by name of Carol and Cesar, her husband, was moved to this area. They discovered that there was a dump there, a city dump. And hundreds of mothers with their kids were going out there, spending eight hours a day, surrounded, covered by flies because of decomposing trash and food and manure and all of that. Uh, and, 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 And Carol realized that these kids were out there. So they went and set up a makeshift space in the dump. And they started tutoring these kids. Can you say suffering? Can you say putting yourself out? Uh, they put themselves out. They started tutoring these kids. Uh, and one thing led to another. They moved from the dump to a couple of houses. Now they ended up in January, they purchased a motel uh, not purchased, leased a motel that heretofore had been used by pimps and prostitutes. And so they, they sanctified the motel. Come on now. And in the same room where people were being dehumanized are the same room where these young people from, from kindergarten to eighth grade are finding a fresh vision and a dream for their future. Come on, let's give God a hand praise. And that's because somebody will put themselves out. Right. Next picture, next picture. Next picture. That's another view of them. And so, one of the things that they're trying to raise resources for, putting themselves out, is that they've got to try to figure out how to provide food for these kids every day when they come to school. The reason being, for some of these kids, the only meal they're going to get is this one. Next, next slide. So, here is a picture of the teachers. Most of them are in their 20s and mid-20s. And the school cannot afford to give them an average salary, at least at, even at Guatemalan Uh, levels. They give them a stipend. So these young people, these young adults have figured out how to scratch and pull things together to make sure that they can feed themselves and pay their bill. But every morning at 730 they show up ready to change the trajectory of these young people's lives. They know that you're not just changing the trajectory of these lives you are changing the trajectory of the next generation. Can we just give God a hand praise? They're pulling themselves out. for the purposes of Christ. Uh, next slide. So here's a woman here uh, uh, who's the founder, Carol. I'll tell you a quick story about putting herself out as we bring this to a close here and transition. Her husband is named Caesar. Several years ago, the board was so overly burdened by trying to raise the resources till they were just felt like it was killing them. And so they had a meeting and they concluded, we're just going to give it up. It's just too hard. It's going to kill us. And somebody said, well, before we make the final decision, let's go pray about it for three days and then come back and see what God says. Three days later, they came back into the room and almost to a person, actually to a person, from one person to the next, everybody said, I'm in. And even if it kills me. We're gonna do the work of the Lord. A year later, Caesar, her husband, died at the age of 52, my age. Diabetes, organs collapsed on him, probably under the undue stress of what the work and ministry was doing. And on his deathbed, he called his friend, who's a pastor of the church across the street. He says, Now look, I'm gonna pass the ring to you. You gotta get this over the finish line. Don't worry about me. I'll see you on the other side. Huh? I celebrate that that's 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 what I mean and by the way so they're not simply trying to bring resources to people but they are introducing people to the love of Jesus Christ because at the end of the day listen if you take a fella who's a hoarder who lives two streets over in a $20,000 house and put him or her in a $20 million house in a community over right give them about a month you'd have as much junk in the $20 million house As you'd had in $20,000 house, right? Because just changing my environment doesn't necessarily change me. You listening to me? But change my heart, transform the hoarder, right? You can put him or her back in the $20 house, $20,000 house, and they will get with everybody else and clean it up. So I want to introduce you to Jesus. This is what they say. Because we don't just want to bless your externals. Come on now. We want to change your heart so that when you grow up, kids, you'll be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. And if by some chance, like a young man named Josiah, who was an academic brilliant in the school, in front of his house, some gang members drove up and shot him dead. They weren't shooting at him, shooting at somebody else and they shot him. The teacher said, at least we know this, he loved Jesus, and he slipped into eternity with the certainty of Jesus. Y'all, that's what we're about. We're about impacting and demonstrating the love of Jesus Christ, as you saw illustrated in this extraordinary uh, season of baptism, but we're also trying to connect folk to a love in Jesus Christ that changes our heart. And at the end of the day, whenever death catches us, I want my kids and the people that I know and that I love, I want them all to die with a certainty that comes from knowing Jesus Christ. That's a part of our mission. Come on, celebrate that. That's the vision. That's the mission. (laughs) So, next slide, next slide. Is there no? So, I want you to remember this family. I'm going to talk about this family in just a minute. But at this point, we're going to transition because what they taught us is the value of being prepared in order to do great work for Jesus, you've got to be willing to put yourself out. And as a matter of fact, the more you put yourself out for Jesus, suffer for him, the deeper your knowledge of who Jesus is grows. That's why Paul says in chapter 3, verse 10, and 11, I want to know Christ in the mighty power that raised him from the dead, but I also want to know him in his suffering. In other words, Paul said, I want to join the team. So in order for us to be used the way that God, I believe, intends to use us as we change locations to expand the boundaries of what God wants to do through NBCC, I believe God is saying to us that this is a stretching moment and he's challenging us, are you and am I willing in a sense to put ourselves out for the cause of Jesus now listen, don't grab your wallet I'm not going to ask you for a million dollars I'm not going to ask you to give up your house yet I'm going to ask you to put yourself out by committing between now and the end of August, that you'll do three things, and they're pretty imp- incredible things. Everybody shall pray, pray for four minutes a day. Everybody shall invite, invite, invite your friends to experience what you're experiencing. Everybody, everybody, everybody shall serve. serve. If you're not serving, step up and help us to deliver the love of Jesus. You can't do that. Unless you're willing willing to put yourself out to suffer a little bit. Everybody shout, suffer. All right. Show me this card. Show me uh, me this card right here. Pray, invite, serve. Let me see it. All right. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to spend a little time. I'm going to illustrate. I had one of my staff members who says that whenever they get a prayer card they have to pray through, that she prays in the shower. And what she does is she takes a card like this, put it in a plastic bag, and hang it over the shower head. So that while she's showering, she can be praying to God. So look, I've never done anything like that, but if you pray in the shower, there you go, get a bag. Here's the point. I want you to take this card, pick a place that you're going to regularly pray. I want you to put this card there. If it's at work, by your laptop, it's at home, in your bedroom. And I want you to pick a time and put it in your calendar every day for four minutes you're going to have to put yourself out it's a small step I want you to pray through these vision pillars. now we give you some guidance and we're going to practice right here number one here's what we want you to pray for we want to pray that God helps us to reach people who feel far from God 90% of folk throughout the Bay Area have not heard of the extravagant love of Jesus that that you saw, you saw a little bit of what happens when we hear about it and experience it right in this baptism. So we want you to pray that God will use us. Shout us. Tell the person next to you, he's talking about me. Tell him. And God will use us to reach the full Bay Area from San Francisco. San Jose. Part of the reason why I think God is shifting us, because a whole lot of us already come from San Jose up through Mountain View. I think God's going to plant us on the north so he can start reaching people from San Francisco all the way down. Come on, take a few moments. And and if you're not a Christian, if you're here just trying to check it out for the first time, say, well, I can't pray again. Okay, why don't you pray that over the next couple of weeks, God will show you who he is. Come on, let's talk to God a little bit. All right, Shall so, amen. Amen.